Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, before we get into today's episode, I did just want to remind you, if you were interested in coming to the book launch for my new book, Hamlet is Not Okay, uh, you can go to eventbrite.com and uh, get a ticket. It's happening on the 9th of, of July at the Australian Theatre for Young People, their Rebel Theatre, named after Rebel Wilson. Um, so yeah, it'll be an hour long show and I'll be reading from the book and explaining how I came up with all the ideas. It should be a really fun, um, presentation and, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So come along, get tickets if you're interested. Okay. Now let's get into today's episode. So I'm still reading The Pesky Kids 5, The Final Mission, and we're now up to chapter 14. Something going on. Here we go. Dad was walking down Main Street. He didn't often come into town, but to celebrate the potato pageant, the co-op was having a two-for-one sale on seed potatoes. Dad could not resist, but he never made it to the feedlot. As Dad walked past the post office, he was grabbed by the arm and yanked into the alleyway next to it. His first thought was that he was going to die. Then Dad realised it was Mum who had grabbed him, so he was optimistic that that might not be the case. A top assassin from Belarusia is in the post office, whispered Mum. Gosh, said Dad. Gosh, said Mum, is that all you have to say? Do adults really say gosh? Aren't you more alarmed? I've been constantly at maximum level of alarm for 11 years, said Dad. Yelling or swearing won't make it go any higher. I don't know what to do, said Mum, turning back to watch the post office. If this was the city, I'd take her out, contact my handler, and have an extraction team take her away in a helicopter. You're not going to attack someone in the post office, are you? asked Dad. He was scared enough of the postmistress already. She didn't like how he dithered over whether or not to send things regular or express post. If his ex-wife started a fistfight in the building, he was sure to be in her bad books forever. Mum shook her head. There'd be no end to it, she said. In the two days I've been here, I've seen 37 people who I believe to be operatives who've been missing in action for years, some of them decades. There's something going on here. A festival, said Dad. Karawong has festivals all the time. Not a festival, a conspiracy, said Mum. Couldn't we just leave well enough alone, asked Dad. If they are all international spies, it's really not our business. One of these people has betrayed you, said Mum. Someone has let your location slip out. They've compromised your safety. That's not very nice, conceded Dad. The problem is, with so many dodgy people roaming about the town, said Mum, I've got no idea who did it. It was probably Ingrid, or that waitress who went missing. Ah, here she comes. The front door of the post office pushed open, and a short, thin, frail-looking elderly lady stepped out. That's her, whispered Mum. For two decades, she was the most feared woman in Eastern Europe. 
Huh, said Dad, peering through the leaves. But that's the cat lady. She's the person you call when your cat gets stuck up a tree. She's a beloved town icon. That woman, asked Mum. Yes, said Dad. Finn cleaned her gutters a couple of months ago. She drove him home afterwards. Are you sure you're not confused? There's no shame in being confused. I'm confused all the time. I am not confused, said Mum. I'm going to confront her. Oh, please don't, said Dad. He grabbed hold of the back of Mum's jacket as she moved to lunge forward. Let me go, demanded Mum. No, said Dad, holding on with a surprisingly strong grip. You get good wrist strength when you plant as many potatoes as he had in his life. I'm not letting you attack a beloved senior citizen in this community. She could be a double agent, said Mum. She could be spying on you and the kids and feeding information back to the collective. I'm prepared to take that risk, said Dad. I don't want to live a life where people keep hitting each other all the time. I'm not going to hit her all the time, argued Mum. I'm just going to hit her once, drag her into a back alley, then pump her for information. I'm not going to let you, said Dad. Harold, don't make me hit you instead, pleaded Mum. Violence is wrong, said Dad. There's no excuse. You're wrestling with me right now, said Mum. Isn't that violence? I prefer to think of it as purposeful hugging, said Dad. You know, I could purposely hug your jugular vein and you'd be asleep in ten seconds, said Mum. Oh, please don't, said Dad. When I nap in the day, I have so much trouble getting to sleep at night. Mum sighed. She didn't want to knock Dad out, so she compromised. She grabbed his middle finger and pulled it back the way it shouldn't go. Ow! squealed Dad, letting go of Mum. She scrambled to her feet, but the cat lady was already pulling away in her car. Darn it, said Mum. Oh, now you've got me talking like an Enid Blyton novel. Oh, I like the famous wives, said Dad. They're always eating tomato sandwiches. Such a delicious sandwich filling. People don't think to have it all on its own these days. Harold, stop thinking about veg, said Mum. There's something major going on here. Oh dear, said Dad. Do I have to know about it? I'm sure there's nothing I can do to help. Could you just leave me out of the loop? It's just you and me, said Mum. If Maynard has betrayed me, I'm blacklisted, which means it's just the two of us to protect the kids. Oh no, said Dad. The kids are much better at looking after themselves than I am at looking after them. But they do need to be kept out of the loop, said Mum. They're children. If they get captured, they've got plausible deniability on their side. Oh, can I have that too, asked Dad. No, said Mum. You're a grown man who can speak six different key trouble spot languages. No one would believe that you're as ignorant as you really are. Oh dear, oh dear, said Dad. And you're not as ignorant as you want to be, said Mum. You've been in this town for 11 years. You've seen things. I promise I haven't, said Dad. And if I have, I would have forgotten them. I've got a mind like a sieve. I'm going to have to keep a closer eye on the children, said Mum. How, said Dad, security cameras? No, cameras can be tampered with, said Mum. Eyes work better. And that is the end of the chapter, but we'll keep going. Chapter 15, No Escape. Where is he, demanded April. She was standing in the school office, glaring at Mrs Pillsbury. Mrs Pillsbury had been school secretary for over 30 years and therefore hated all children. She tried to keep her glass screen shut as much as possible. Even teachers had to yell through the glass when she was grumpy with them, which she was more often than not. 
Where is who? asked Mrs Pillsbury coldly. Mr Lang, said April. Do you have an appointment? asked Mrs Pillsbury, which was sarcastic because no one ever had appointments with Mr Lang. Angry parents just barged in. There were never any happy parents dropping by. No, said April. He has an appointment with me. He just doesn't know it yet. April Pesky, is that you? called Mr Lang. He'd been sitting in his office the whole time and had overheard the whole conversation. But he hadn't spoken before because he was in the middle of interviewing a new teacher and he didn't want a potential staff member to see him being intimidated by a student. He had been hoping April would get in a fight with Mrs Pillsbury, then storm off. He begrudgingly emerged to see what was going on. I want the sack, said April. But you don't work here, said Mr Lang. He was confused. He looked around nervously for the dog. He was even more afraid of Pumpkin than he was of April. But Pumpkin was amusing himself, unpotting a potted plant in the corner of the reception area. No, not that type of sack, said April. Not sack the verb. I want the sack, the noun. I want the potato sack with the names of the nominees for Potato Princess. Why? So I can destroy it, said April. I don't want to be a ridiculous princess paraded about in front of a whole town like a Christmas decoration. I was Potato Princess when I was 16, said Mrs Pillsbury. Really? asked April. What was the population of Currawong back then? Were there not a lot of teenage girls about? Mrs Pillsbury slid her glass screen back angrily. She would have liked to have slammed it, but she didn't want to break the glass. The sack is gone, said Mr Lang. Oh, somebody else has destroyed it, asked April. No, it's the property of the CWA, said Mr Lang. They run the competition. If you want to withdraw, you'll have to go and see them. Oh, that's just ridiculous bureaucracy, snapped April. Mr Lang shrugged. He was enjoying the fact that, for once, this problem with the pesky kids was not his problem. Fine, said April. I'll pay them a visit after school. In the meantime, I'm going to hunt down the idiot who nominated me. Come on, pumpkin. You're not, said Mr Lang. You're going to class. Vengeance and retribution can take place on your own time. And that is the end of chapter 15. Well, we'll leave it there for now. So until next time, goodbye.